This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger, superior. You were reborn. I keep having these memories. Something in my past is the key to all of this. You know how to fly this thing? We'll see. That's a yes or no question. Yes. Would you like to know what you really are? I think I had a life here. What aren't you telling me? You've come a long way. But you're not as strong as you think. This war is just the beginning. I'm not going to fight your war. I'm going to end it. Aren't you cute? And what's your name, huh? What's... I'll be back. Hey, everybody. This is Bat Fans. Yes, we're still here. I almost forgot the yes. <laughs> I was just about to say we're still here. Um, this is episode number 174. Tim is with me as always. Tim, how are you doing? I am doing good. Happy early and belated 311 day, Dane. <laughs> because <laughs> as we're recording this episode, it is not 311 day yet. It's two days away. But by the time this episode releases, it'll be past it. So I've got to cover both grounds. So. So, so what do you do on 311 day? Do you just listen to 311 songs? Mostly, yeah, listen, nothing but 311 music, wearing a 311 t-shirt. But this year is yeah. going to be special. Why? Because... They're actually having a movie playing just on 311 Day. They have these document, kind of documentaries, not really, but it's like a lot of footage of live performances, cameras following them around, interviews, fans. It's called Enlarge to Show Detail. They released one back around like 96 and another one in 2001. And the third one is finally coming out, which they said has been in production for a long time. And because they usually just put them out on DVD, but for this 311 day, they're having a one night only theatrical release. And you can bet I'm going to be there. <laughs> so, 311 movie on 311 day. What could be better than that? 
Did I also see that there's going to be like a 311 cruise or something? They actually just had that last weekend. And and so you you go on the boats and it's a 311 concert or did, did, like, like does it go out mm-hmm. into the yeah. ocean? Oh. Yeah, it goes out in the ocean. They go to some islands. They perform three shows most of the time, two on the boat, and then sometimes they perform one on like an island destination that they go to. And wow. then they have other they have other yeah. bands and acts there. And just different events that go on. Oh, on so it's, they're not playing. It's kind of like a festival then, but on yeah, a boat. Pretty much. That's the one 311 experience I got to check off <laughs> my bucket list <laughs> that I got to experience as a fan. So, so one so, of these years. So where does it launch from? Uh, Florida. Oh, Florida and goes yeah. to like the Caribbean? Mm, yeah, it has uh, different destinations sometimes, but it usually varies, but in that area. Yeah, well... Yeah, I guess they can do it in California, right? Oh, that would be awesome if they do, but they've been doing it since 2009, I want to say. Yeah. 2009 or 2011, because they alternate. One year, it's a 311-day concert, which is like a seven-hour show <laughs> performing wow. a bunch of their songs. Yeah. Then the other year, it's the cruise. So I think they've been doing that since like off, I want to say 2009, but definitely by 2011, I know. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just really weird for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make sense of this. So, like, you, they they charter a boat, right? Mm-hmm. And then they play concerts every night on the boat as as you go to the festival or the to to go to the or or on the way to the island. Yeah, well, the main event's on the boat. Like the island, when they go to a specific island, it's not. But you only spend like maybe a few hours there. Oh, and because all the activities on the boat as it sails. Oh, so so the main thing is the boat. You you you're not taking a boat to go to an island to yeah. see them. Oh, okay. Because no. yeah, you're with the band on the boat, and they have different games. Like with the guitar player and singer, they have the name that tune game where the guitar player and the singer just. Sit, plays the little chords of a song. They have like some fans on stage trying to guess what it is just by hearing it, a very little portion of the songs, you know, like trivia contests and stuff like that. Oh, so so, so they have events on the boat. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Timmy, you got to go. I know. I wanted, <laughs> as part of me thinks I can't say I'm a diehard 311 fan until I go, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see so many other fans I follow on Twitter who go there and see all these videos and experiences that were well, so it's awesome. Like, yeah, I got to do that one of these years. But to be honest, I'm not someone never a cruise never appealed to me <laughs> setting sail <laughs> on the ocean. So it's not my ideal situation, but right. got to try new things, I guess. Yeah. You're, you're definitely not a 311 fan in my book. <laughs> unless, you, <laughs> unless you go on the, well, you're the, the one three. who decides it all. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's cool. That's that, that's that's really interesting because like, what other band does that? I I know Weezer did it once. I haven't done it since, but yeah, I think Three Eleven started that trend because a few after that, I've been noticing a few bands that do that. So, but they're the ones who still continue to do yeah. it every other year. I wonder when um, you know space travel gets um, popularized or cheap enough. <laughs> uh-huh. I wonder if Three Eleven is going to have like a space travel. <laughs> right. uh, the 311 shuttle yeah <laughs> <laughs> that i would do no better <laughs> they did they put on a special concert on the moon i mean how cool would that be 
you know, 311, I gotta give him credit for thinking about new things, trying new things, going to an island, (laughs) uh, going on a cruise. (laughs) Uh, Yep, that's why I love him. But yeah, anyway, uh, let's just do our Dark Knight Rises Minute by Minute commentary. Um, We're going from minute 120... uh, yeah, 122 to 123, or the hour and... The two hour, actually. Two hour and second... Uh, two, two hour and second minute. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to the two hour and third minute. Um, See, we're getting so far along now, it's hard to yeah, keep track uh, of where we're at. <laughs> but we are getting closer, which is the uh, the point of all of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so yeah, just just grab your HD DVD, DVD, grab your Blu-ray, grab your um, laser disc, grab your Beta tape, grab your uh, VHS tape, grab your Netflix physical subscription, your Blockbuster card. By the way, the last Blockbuster is closing down. Did you see oh, that? The, the one in Alaska is. No, that for some reason. Everybody said that that was the last blockbuster. Yeah, but then there, apparently there's one in Oregon this whole time. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that the, the last one in the world is closing down. So um, sad, sad, sad. Sad story. Um, but that's why it's on our list. And um, <laughs> grab your. I forget where I left off. Well, the best one, the best for last. Oh. How could I forget <laughs> the VHS to DVD converted copy? Now, <laughs> <laughs> this is the 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 best quality <laughs> to 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 watch the Dark Knight Rises in. So, if you have a VHS to DVD copy, definitely put that one on. And I'm gonna give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? Yes, I am. My copy's converted and ready to go. <laughs> All right, three, two, one, play. As looks like Gordon is going to get ambushed, despite John Blake's heads up. <laughs> I still love just the snow setting for this movie and the f- finale of it. I mean, it's not snowing hard, but you just see the yeah. snowfall. I just visually, it just looks really cool. Seeing the tumblers drive through it. How come this isn't at night? You know, there's hardly any night scenes. Yeah, that's Except for the beginning. Yeah. I kind of like that. Just another thing that makes Dark Knight Rises different from the other two movies in the trilogy. Like I said, with the snow having its own feel for it. Yeah. We're back to another Scarecrow trial. Which, again, I still wish he had his mask. <laughs> Maybe since he had two sequences of acting as a judge, he should have one with the mask and one without. Do you think uh, Killian Murphy did this in one day, or was it? I would think so. Yeah. I mean, it's only <laughs> Get it back two scenes. Take it a week or so <laughs> these two little scenes. <laughs> what is he sitting on? Is that just desks on top of desks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sitting uh, on a pile of books or something? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but that's our Dark Knight Rises Minute by Minute commentary. And now we can get into our future topic, which I'm actually excited to talk about because I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I really want to hear what you have to say about it. 
Yeah, so the feature topic for this episode is going to be a review of Captain Marvel, the latest MCU movie. And just I just wanted to start reviewing all comic book movies or superhero movies that come out now because, you know, as you've heard on this episode, we talk about all the stuff we're into. But <laughs> And superhero movies is right up there on this list. I just love talking about them. And then also... I don't know about you, Dane. I'm sure you are, too. But I'm just getting really sick of the DC versus Marvel stuff going on in fandom on social media. Every time there's a new DC movie or a new Marvel movie, the other side has to take shots at it. And as much as they say, oh, we don't care about this, they sure do love caring about talking about a movie. <laughs> they seem to have no interest about it. It just annoys me to death. And on this show, we love both. And I want to talk about both and show that there is no reason to feel that way one side versus the other so that's, that's something i want to start doing on the podcast is whenever there's a new superhero comic movie that we see we're gonna talk about it so and the first one on 2019 is captain marvel and this one had a lot of hype building up for it i mean this is marvel's first solo movie with the female superhero as the lead which after 10 years <laughs> it took him a long time to finally do that so there's a lot of excitement there and then just the build-up to Avengers Endgame coming out just a month afterwards. You know, she was teased in the end credit scene after Infinity War and just looks to play a big role in Endgame. So this was her big debut, which is going to get, I think, all the fans excited for Endgame even more. So a lot of hype going into it. I was looking forward to it just because it's a new MCU movie, the concept of Captain Marvel, a new cosmic sci-fi movie in the Marvel universe. is going to be cool. And my familiarity with the character... I can't say I've read a lot of comics with her, but I first heard and learned about the character all the way back from the 90s X-Men animated series. That's when I first heard about Carol Danvers when then she was known as Miss Marvel and not Captain Marvel because it was the episode that was all about Rogue and how she got her powers and how she stole him of Miss Marvel's powers. And that's why Rogue has the flight, super strength. And that was my first introduction to the character and I first heard about her and I always had that made her a connection with rogue and then not until the uh, 2010s the early 2010s when the avengers earth mightiest heroes animated series came on they i believe it was the second season she might have been introduced in the first but she really carol danvers became captain marvel in that second season and that's kind of when i really first heard about her origin story and how she got her powers and her involvement with the kree and uh, the hero marvel so that was my basic introduction and history to the character and then just reading a few actual comic stories with her in it but those animated series is where i got my you know history (laughs) lesson and information about where she came from how she got her powers so uh, that was my knowledge of the character going into the movie so i was going into it pretty fresh as far as not knowing what to expect at every turn and after it was over i gotta say it was really really good it was a great different new origin story for a superhero movie that you know shook things up from the normal origin formula that we've seen and particularly mcu movies i thought they did a good job because it's not told in a linear style like most of the mcu origin stories are a little bit of batman begins feel to it as far as jumping from different time periods about carol danvers but they did it in a way that was in the universe tied to the story they were telling there because there's a I should say, too, I'm not going to go into full-blown spoilers on events, but I will talk about specific scenes that maybe you might not want to know about. But I won't go into major plot details about what happens. Um, because there's, I think you've seen in the trailer, so this isn't much of a spoiler, but she is being held captive by the scrolls, And 
as we see that, it, it kind of at first seems like a normal cut from a movie that's going to tell uh, where she came from as a kid in her early years as an Air Force pilot. Um, kind of similar ways that Batman Begins did, but it actually ties into the actual story of the movie where it's the scrolls kind of poking at her memory and you see and you hear them their voices as you're seeing these flashback sequences like oh what's that moment there let's go back a little bit further in her mind stuff like that so we see that a lot in comics and even animated superhero stories but it was kind of cool to see that in the live action film too so i like how they incorporated and told her origin story in a new unique way that we haven't seen too much in superhero films so i love that and just the comic book fan in me i just love the setting of the stories they were telling because they're finally going into the Kree Scroll War, which I've always read about in Marvel comics, and that's a big <laughs> part of the cosmic side of the Marvel universe. So, to see the Scrolls make their live action debut and in the MCU, it worked really well. And how um, the history of the war that they have with the Kree and the story, what I really liked about it, it took a different turn that I wasn't expecting, but it it worked really well in the course of the movie, and um, it was nice to see. So it kind of flipped things around a little bit from what comic fans are used to in that side of the Marvel history as far as the Krees and the scroll go. So that was really cool. And also, too, another big thing about this movie, how it was different, was um, the 90s setting. And I got to say, it worked really well. As someone who grew up in the 90s, it was one of those movies where, because, you know, there's a bunch of period piece movies and it's the stuff set in the eighties is all like the, the rage nowadays and all those cultural references, which I get to a degree because I was born in 83. So I grew up in the eighties as a little kid, but in the nineties is where, you know, I was older. I was a teenager in the nineties. And so there's a lot of stuff I would remember more seeing in a movie like this that had a lot of nineties callbacks. And <laughs> it was definitely fun to see old dial-up computers, blockbuster video <laughs> making an appearance, uh, stuff like that. Also, I got to give a shout-out to a scene where she was at like a, on a payphone in a record store, and there was a 311 poster in the background. <laughs> which course. was of course. I, I might have been the only one who spotted that, <laughs> but it was there. And then the, hearing the 90s music, it was like kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy and their awesome mix soundtracks with you know 70s hits. Um, this was one that... I really took more to because it's classic 90s rock. I mean, you got Nirvana playing, you got Garbage playing, no doubt. <laughs> so like the soundtrack was really cool. It worked pretty well for most of the scenes. So I just love the whole 90s setting, um, the nostalgia kick I got with that, which, you know, the 90s is now not quite on the level of 80s as far as everyone's nostalgia uh, high goes to. But this one... Kind of, I think the 90s can finally get there a little bit. This was a scenario where that was the case, but um, yeah, and the characters were really well. But Brie Larson did a great job as Carol Danvers in Captain Marvel and her relationship with Nick Fury, uh, Samuel L. Jackson playing a young Nick Fury who, <laughs> like, that de aging technology they're using now is getting better and better. Uh, but uh, regardless of how well that looked, uh, Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson, I I felt had great chemistry and kind of like a buddy cop type team up that they had going on throughout the movie. And I just think it was, as a comic fan, I could see certain things coming as far as some of the mystery that was playing out in the story. But I think for most of the casual audience who weren't familiar with Captain Marvel, it's going to be a cool mystery to see unfold as they're watching the movie. So it's a really solid story. As I said, for her origin, that was different from most origin stories. And you put that in with, 
in the backdrop of a the Kree scroll war for comic book fans like us who um, knows that history. It's just really cool to see how it all played out. So all that stuff was great. The biggest you know reason why I like the movie, the story it was told in, and just the performances and the way they told her origin, I thought was really well done. And probably my <laughs> this might sound a little strange, but my one. I got a few nitpicks here, and one of them is that I felt, while cool, and especially at the end, the action sequences could have been a little longer, for because it felt a little held back to me for a big comic book superhero movie. But there was definitely some cool visuals, like I said at the end, when she fully like gains her powers and is just blowing things up. And you've seen those shots in the trailer where she's in space, just blowing up these ships. It looks awesome. It's just. I didn't felt it was long enough or had that quite that big impact that most of those final superhero climactic battles do. And because maybe we're just getting spoiled with other movies like uh, the Avengers films. I just have these amazing action sequences that blow you away. I think it just felt that because the two directors who directed this movie, I'm pretty sure it's not their first film, but it's definitely their first, you know, big budget movie action movie like this so maybe they're kind of their inexperience showed a little bit as far as the action sequences go because nothing really blew me away as far oh man this is amazing there was like a couple of shots but by the time you before you can even feel that it's over already so that was one nitpick i had but the other one now this is just coming from the comic book continuity nerd in me <laughs> certain things did not line up that have been established in the mcu already in previous film so and one of them and this is really nitpicking but you remember in iron man dane how agent colson they kept referring like shield as you know they didn't have the acronym for shield yet he'd been calling it the whole the the or like the full name that it had and right. it wasn't until the very end where you know they kept saying strategic homeland I forget what the I stands for. It's the Strategic Homeland and Enforcement and Logistics Division. But they kept saying, you guys got to think of a shorter name. And then by the time at the end of the movie, he goes, oh, yeah, just you can just call it S.H.I.E.L.D. But in Captain Marvel, they're already calling themselves S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Coulson and, and Fury, they're referring to their agency as S.H.I.E.L.D. So one thing that didn't quite match up. And again, it's very small. But <laughs> the nerd in me just couldn't help it. No, that's. I wonder why they decided to go back to calling it its full name and not shield. But again, something you could live with. I couldn't help but think about that. And the, um, the other thing too, that we get in this movie, we find out how Nick Fury loses his eye. <laughs> and that is, I'm already seeing some mixed reactions about that. Um, as far as the, how it happened and who did it. <laughs> so, um, I'll be curious to see as the movie is out, more people see it. And after a few years, how it's going to be looked back upon as something that's, you know, kind of good as far as being different and not and not expecting or being something that is a little bit silly. I'll, I'll throw out the spoiler warning right here in case you don't want to know how he loses his eye because I'm going to say it. Unless you don't want to hear it, Dane. <laughs> no, I just uh, – no, did, did, just let me guess. Did, did it fall out? It didn't fall out. Okay. Uh, okay. that, that that was my guess. That like, <laughs> oh, my eye fell out. <laughs> because yeah. one of the standout most fun characters in this movie is the cat named Goose. It's an alien life form, but it looks like a cat. It's kind of kind of how Rocket is looks like a raccoon, but he's not actually a raccoon. Right. This is an alien species who looks like a cat, but it's not a cat. 
And he has some great moments because you see him, you know, show his alien abilities that he has. And in the trailer, you see, even see how it's kind of warming up to Nick Fury. Nick Fury is petting it and talking silly to it. But then at the end, he gets a little too comfortable with the cat. And the cat slashes his eye. <laughs> and that's how Nick Fury loses his eye. I got to say, it did whether they had this idea way back when Winter Soldier came out, it does line up pretty well because in Winter Soldier, he does tell Captain America where... You know, the last time I trusted somebody, I lost my left eye. And he did say to the cat at some point where, you know, like, I'm trusting you or I'm trusting you to do this or something like that. And also in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, we saw that when he lifted his eye patch up for the first time in the MCU, he did have these three like claw marks across his eye <laughs> that matched up really well to what the cat did to him in this movie. So in the end, it all fits into the continuity. Just a matter of you think it's a little too silly because I've been hearing and seeing reactions on Twitter like, oh, they turned a great bit of dialogue that he had in Winter Soldier into a joke now because it was played for laughs in the movies and it was funny. <laughs> I'm not going to deny that. So I can understand how someone can feel that way. That takes a little less as far as, you know, uh, the character of Nick Fury as far as being someone, this battle-hardened agent who lost his eye in a mission or whatnot. But at the same time, I think it's pretty funny, too, where because at the end, he's kind of already making up stories to how that's not how he lost his eye. <laughs> he's how he lost it on a heroic mission. So it plays up that spy angle, too, how Nick Fury would want to cover that up and create this legend behind it when, in actuality, a cat slashed it out. So, in the end, I like it. I think it's funny. It was unexpected, and I did not think that's how Nick Fury lost his eye. But there it is. It would have made for a good moment in the movie. So, yeah, overall, I really, really thought Captain Marvel was good. Uh, solid origin story for Carol Danvers. Uh, told in a comic book storyline backdrop I've been wanting to see for a long time with the Korean the Scrolls. And yeah, just great character interaction throughout the movie. The cast was really great. I already said Brie Larson and Samuel Jackson work really well together. But Ben Mendelsohn um, as a scroll, the scroll Talos, he's great. Even uh, within the, all that prosthetic makeup as a green alien, he's just a really solid actor. So all great stuff around. Again, minor nitpicks about some of the action sequences. While cool, I just wish they were uh, played out a little longer and then some continuity continuity nitpicks for me but and the end credit scene too there's two of them and one of them sets up um captain marvel's return for avengers endgame which got everyone in the theater excited <laughs> everyone just left like with smiles on their faces and just couldn't wait for avengers endgame which like i said is only a month away is going to be awesome so yeah this great to, it was a great experience in the theater too seemed like everyone enjoyed it but what really stood out to me there was a lot of young kids in the theater both boys and girls who were just eating it up what they were seeing seeing some kids sat in a few seats aside from me some behind some in front of me but all of them are just like laughing really getting a kick out of the acting sequences even though i might thought <laughs> they were needed to be longer the kids were eating it up and just really enjoying the movie which was awesome to see and when the lights came on after the movie's over i just saw a bunch of smiles on all these kids faces which is great i mean i just love seeing that when this next generations of kids are being exposed to these superheroes that we all uh, love and just knowing that you know it's going to continue on way for every generation way past our time so just i just love seeing that and the one thing i'll mention which was an awesome part of the movie um the logo that starts every Marvel movie. You have that great 
fanfare theme that kicks in and then you see the Marvel Studios logo that's showing scenes from the different Marvel movies and the different heroes. But for this one, it started with the same music, the same logo, but instead of showing scenes from the different MCU movies, they showed it of different of all the Stan Lee cameos. And boy, it was that really cool to see because this is the first MCU movie that has come out since Stan Lee's passing. And for them to give a tribute like that to him was just amazing. The theater I was in just erupted with applause and cheers. It was just really, really cool to see. And this part of me makes me think they should just have that now for every <laughs> MCU movie. It was just really, really good and well done and just such an awesome tribute to Stan Lee. And his cameo was another good one, <laughs> as always, in Captain Marvel. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. Something different, I think, for a superhero origin story and a great introduction to a new character who I'm already can't wait to see in Endgame now. So I'm going to give it a solid four out of five. I thought it was really good. That's where everybody seems to be. Four out of five. You know, you got like, a, I think, 84, 85 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And for, and for a first movie, that's pretty good. So, so. Yeah. Of course, every, the the haters out there are trying to make it like it's failure. Um sabotaging the user review scores on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes again. Same thing they did with The Last Jedi. It's just, it's pathetic, really. <laughs> it really they, is. Didn't uh, Rotten Tomatoes get rid of that? They did before the movie actually came out because oh, they knew good. trolls were just doing that. But yeah. it's kind of pointless because they know right when the movie opens they're going to do the exact same thing again, which they already proven to be doing. So it's just, so it's just sad. It really yeah. is. But I just love how it's pretty much all for nothing. I mean, it's I think it's on track to have 150 to 160 million opening wow. <laughs> weekend. <laughs> and it's like get, it got a, a cinema score from audiences. So it's just pathetic how they're trying to sabotage it. and It's not working. <laughs> so I love seeing them fail. Yeah, well, I will be seeing it, Tim. I, cool. I, I, don't, I don't mean to surprise you or to <laughs> <laughs> amaze you, but I will actually go to a theater and see it. That does surprise me, yes. <laughs> what is the last Marvel movie you actually saw in the theater? Because I know you mainly check the ones out you want to see once they, they come out on digital. Yeah. Um, dang it. What was the last one? <laughs> that long ago. <laughs> uh, Guardians 2, I think. Did I? No, I didn't see no, that. I, no. I remember you telling me when that came out yeah. on Blu-ray or digital you saw it. Was it Civil War? Did you see that in the theater? No. <laughs> Not even the a new Spider-Man can draw you into the theater for that. <laughs> uh, was it Spider-Man Spider Homecoming? No, it wasn't Spider-Man Homecoming. Before that, uh, I don't know if it technically counts as a Marvel movie, uh, but Logan, Logan was the last one. Okay. Yeah. Not an MCU movie, but a Marvel movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> when was that? Twenty sixteen. Seventeen. Seventeen. So it hasn't been that long. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, longer for an MCU movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's our feature topic for this episode, and now we can move on to our news and discussion topics. So um, our first uh, piece of news is that th there is a new Shazam trailer. Finally. <laughs> Not a lot of new footage. Yeah, I was kind of surprised, especially in the beginning. It was like, man, they're kind of showing a lot of the same stuff. And then kind of in the middle got going with someone, some new footage. But honestly, I'm not upset with that because we're so close to its release now. We're a, a month away. 
And why, why do we, I, for me personally, I don't need to see that much more new footage when we're this close. I'm already excited for it. We got other movies coming out. Captain Marvel is out to hide Titus over for the next comic book movie. So I was fine with it. And the new shots that they did show in this trailer still look really good. I mean, <laughs> the one that cracked me up the most, no surprise here, is when he throws that like large Batman toy. He just goes, I'm Batman. <laughs> I think he says, I'm Batman. He does like it in a Batman voice. He just throws that toy. It, just, it was just funny. And other cool shots of him using his powers of stopping that buzz and some other shots of him in that fight with the villain played by Mark Strong. Um, so, yeah, to who, me, it's looking really that? good. Who Who is that? It's Dr. Yeah. See, I, I might be pronouncing his name. Dr. Savannah, I believe. Mm. But um, let me look that up just to make sure I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know anything about. It's Dr. About, Savannah. Yeah, it's Dr. Savannah. Um, is his name. I don't know anything about. Uh, Shazam or his villains. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little I mean, in the dark on that. Yeah, Savannah and Black Adam are those two main ones. So, I imagine Black Adam will be safe for the sequel. But, yeah. no, it's looking good. I can't wait for it. Unfortunately, they didn't show this trailer with Captain Marvel when I saw it because I know that's probably why the new trailer came out. So, it could be attached to Captain Marvel. Yeah. But at last, I didn't see it. But what's cool about Shazam and the early buzz is that. I mean, DC already screened it for press, and they lifted the social media reaction embargo for it the day Captain Marvel came out, and it's getting really, really good buzz. Good, good. From everyone who's saying it, saying it has like it's a lot of heart to it. It's a very fun superhero movie, different. And I'm hearing comparisons to like it feels it feels like a a Steven Spielberg like early eighty movies. Um, if you were to do a superhero movie, this is what it would be done in that time. So I'm just hearing nothing but great things about it, which has got me more excited. I mean, uh, the embargo lifted as I was waiting in the theater for Captain Marvel to begin. And I'm just reading all these reactions to <laughs> saying how great Shazam is. I'm just thinking, man, what a great time to be a comic book fan, as <laughs> we say a lot. But it really is the case when you're and waiting for a new comic book movie to begin and you're seeing these great reactions to the next big superhero movie, which is just a few weeks away. <laughs> I mean, how great is that? So it was just awesome. And I'm just really glad to hear the positive buzz surrounding Shazam. See, uh, Steven Spielberg in the eighties. So ET. Yeah. I mean, that would be comparison. Uh-huh. Empire of the sun. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Indy. Indiana Jones would probably be a good comparison as far as like adventure. the action and yeah, yeah. adventure aspect to it. <laughs> it's getting a lot of comparisons to Big, obviously, even though it's not yeah. a Spielberg movie. That and Goonies, I've heard too. Yeah. You know what I never understood about Goonies? What's that? You've seen Goonies, right? I've seen Goonies, but a lot later than most 80s kids. I was like, for some, whatever the reason, one of the movies I never really watched as a kid in the 80s, but (laughs) not until I was like older until I saw it. Right. Um, You know how in the end um, they they steal the the treasure? Uh, And like, how how do you fence like a giant ruby? (laughs) Like, 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 what are you going to do with that? There's got to be some some shop or some auction place out there they could cash it in <laughs> maybe not in their <laughs> local town but <laughs> no but, but, but like i was thinking like a like a, a jewel in general like that would be auctioned at like christie's or something <laughs> like it, it, it you you wouldn't just give it to a pawn shop you know <laughs> or take it to a pawn <laughs> <Yeah>. shop <laughs> I mean, it would be like this big thing you know 
Yeah. Right? So, so like, how would you, how would you fence, uh, how, how would you sell that? <laughs> Maybe that's why they never made a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just couldn't work around how they'd, you know, benefit for all the treasure they got. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that, that's the, the, the Shazam trailer. And now we can move on to some, ne- uh, it's a negative positive, Tim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of depending on how you look at it. But <laughs> um, so the first part is that Will Smith is going to isn't going to be um, in James Gunn's Suicide Squad. But the second part is that Idris Elba of The Office fame. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. I got to this. Did you get to those episodes? <laughs> Aren't like, those wow, great? <laughs> Idris Elba. <laughs> That's actually when I first uh, saw him in anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those um, are some of my favorite episodes, though. <laughs> yeah, because he's try- he's trying so hard to to be a worker, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just all this stuff, it's, and and how he hates Jim. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Idris Elba is is gonna uh, replace Will Smith or rumored, right? Right now, it's like he's in negotiations, but I think it's going to be a done deal unless it all falls apart, which you never know could happen. But right now, it's looking like he's pretty much going to be the new Deadshot. Mm. So, yeah, uh, kind of was kind of sad news because I thought Will Smith was a really good Deadshot. He he was, you know, one of two things that was good about Suicide Squad. <laughs> you know, the uh, other being Margot Robbie. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, Idris Elba is also a good actor, and it's it, it's a time for change, I think, especially with the Suicide Squad, which did not go the way that Warner Brothers and Disney uh, planned it. Sadly, no. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I loved Will Smith as Deadshot. I just love his humor and his wit that he brings to all his roles, and I, I, he had that as Deadshot in Suicide Squad, so... Same time, I'm going to miss that in this next movie. But I, I tweeted this out. If you're going to have to replace with Will Smith, Idris Elba is probably as good as it's going to get. <laughs> I mean, he's such a solid, good actor. It, it's going to be a different performance. There's no doubt about it. But I think he can do make it his own and just do another great, solid job as Floyd Lawton in this movie. So, yeah. I mean, like you said, it was disappointing at first when we learned Will Smith wasn't going to be in it. And I think it's because of his... Uh, his other commitment to another film and there's there was like a lot of rumors or uh, speculation about what's the reason is it because uh, james gunn did not want to have deadshot in this movie is it because of scheduling conflicts or are they going to recast so a lot of stuff that everyone was wondering what the reason is but it turned out to be that you know james gunn wants deadshot in suicide squad but it's just turn out will smith couldn't do it and i think it's because he's doing the sequel to the netflix movie bright if i'm not mistaken which really you know yeah uh, kind of wish he'd go to the choose suicide squad <laughs> over that but that, I mean, man, that, that wasn't a good movie it had um, its moments I, I tr- yeah i tried with it you know yeah. i tried to like suspend you know all belief but it just wasn't working out yeah mm. i mean it had a a neat concept i think that was worth doing and exploring but yeah. I, th- I think they tried really too hard to like get you invested into the lore and all this backstory mm. where it's like you just gotta let the movie breathe on its own and if it's successful with its own solid story you explore more of that history and sequels and whatnot but they try to give you this whole history i don't remember of it but 
this whole history of this war and yeah, it, it was almost like in the... yeah it was almost like they knew it was going to be popular yeah and they want to plant all these seeds to get fans excited about future potential stories they can do with it when they should have just you know wait you know really focus on the story with these two characters and then see how it goes to explore more of that it's almost like um, they were just thinking too far ahead in certain yeah. aspects of it becoming a franchise. Yeah, it reminded me of um, my favorite actor, Dane DeHaan, for no reason. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't his, know why um, that's the case. <laughs> his movie Valerian. It reminded me of mm-hmm. Valerian a lot, where it, it, it was supposed to be this big thing, and they're trying to lay every single piece of the track while the train is going. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I I did try with it, but just just didn't work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was the name of the drug in that movie? Wasn't there like yeah, a drug? I don't, or I don't even like remember. Sparkle or something? Like. Yeah. yeah I have no <laughs> I idea. Got a blank. Yeah. I just remember they were after wands. They had those like fairies. Yeah, yeah, like the wands and the fairies and. See all that stuff. Like, I think it'd be cool to have that in you know a modern setting, <laughs> like fantasy mixed in with reality. But I, like I said, some of it worked, but then sometimes it, it didn't. Yeah, which is kind of my fear with one of your favorite franchises, Tim, um, Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it, like when it doesn't work, the Disney and the the Square Enix uh-huh. does it really, really, really not work. No, I don't think so, because oh. for the most part, I think it all works pretty well, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. And maybe I'm biased because I'm a diehard fan, yeah. but of Kingdom Hearts 3 in particular, where you're in a level where you're with you know Frozen and Toy Story, and your characters look like these toy pieces, and they're like animated characters when they're in Frozen, but then... There's the Pirates of the Caribbean level, and the graphics are super realistic, like as good as any modern game engine graphics you'll see today. And it works really well. <laughs> I mean, seeing Donald and Goofy look in those realistic style graphics, it, it works. I mean, it, you could tell how different it is, but I think the transition is seamless. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's what I love about it is to see all these different styles come into play and have it meshed together. Yeah. Hmm. Was anybody really asking for a bright sequel, or was I mean, was yeah, it like a big hit? Or I know it was a real big hit as far as viewership goes. I yeah. think I remember hearing it's like one of the, if not the most viewed Netflix original. Maybe it's just for an original movie, but it might just be for any movie in general on Netflix. Mm. I know it was pretty popular, even though it got really bad reviews. But yeah, it was successful as far as viewership goes. Oh, I see. And which is why is I think the only reason why it's getting a getting sequel. A sequel. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of sequels, uh, Aquaman two uh, has been announced, and it's gonna we're gonna be waiting for a while too. Yeah, it's gonna, <laughs> which is kind of surprising. <laughs> it's gonna come out in December twenty twenty two. December twenty twenty two. I'm kind of happy with this, Tim. Let's let's definitely get this right. I still haven't seen Aquaman, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, let, let's give let's give this time. Yeah, I mean that's take as much time as you need is my motto for any movie really. But I am surprised that Warner Brothers is 
doing it this long because you would think after their first movie since or a comic book movie since the dark Knight rises to make a billion dollars they'd want to get a sequel out as quickly as possible like within two years or three of the most but the fact that it's four i mean to me that shows that they probably wait on want to wait on james wan to direct the sequel because i don't think that's officially been confirmed yet but he's uh probably would want to maybe do another project before dump, drop, <laughs> diving right back into another Aquaman movie. So maybe they're going to wait on him to finish his next project so he can come back to do Aquaman, which, you know, again, it's fine by me. So, And what's also what I've been hearing lately, too, is that while we might have to wait four years for the uh, a sequel for Aquaman, they did report that they're going to make a spinoff movie based on The Trench, which I think they said is probably going to come out before the sequel. So... There are going to be some Aquaman connections, probably, without a doubt. I'm not sure if Aquaman himself will be in it, but just another movie set in his universe will be out with before four years. So you have that, which I'm kind of surprised uh, that that's the direction they're going for a spinoff with the Trench. The Trench are cool, don't get me wrong. They're these great, you know, like monster creatures who, you know, made for one of the cooler sequences in the film. And I think there is a way to do a movie about it. If you explore their lore and the history that, kind of been established in the first film. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, just who they actually focus on as far as main characters goes, but I think it could work. Um, so yeah, even though we have to wait four years for Aquaman two, you still got the trench, which I know surprised everyone, but at the same time, it could be something that I think can work pretty well into, you know, hold us over until we get the full Aquaman sequel. Yeah. So we do have a release date for Aquaman two, even though it's three or four years away. But we still do not have a release date for that Disney um, digital service. (laughs) Wait until April because I believe the same week that celebration begins, Star Wars celebration. Yeah. They're going to have the first, you know, demonstration of how Disney Plus works. And I would think they would announce the release date at that event just to get, you know, everyone, you know, more excited about it and you know start planning on when they can get it yeah because like they they announce all these things like the disney vault is going to be on the the disney plus or whatever it's called that surprised me i thought disney would never do that (laughs) with the vault i mean they've had their vault as long as i can remember being a little kid watching disney movies so Mm -hmm. the idea that we could have every disney animated movie on that streaming service i think would be worth getting in itself but yeah Throwing the Mandalorian, Clone Wars, <laughs> Marvel TV shows. I mean, how can you not get it? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. We, you know, we've got announcements for the Disney Vault, the Mandalorian, all these Star Wars things, you know, all these Marvel things. But we still haven't haven't had an, an announcement for when it's actually coming out. Yeah, they just keep saying late 2019. So my uh, guess, I'm going to say November when? the latest, October the earliest. Oh, you see, I, I I was thinking it's gonna come around uh, Christmas time. It's gonna it's gonna come with um, uh, episode nine. See, I think they'd want a little breathing room for all the Star Wars focus to be on the Mandalorian before episode oh. nine comes out, so they're kind of not competing with each other. <laughs> oh, so the Mandalorian is is premiering with the app. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Wow, which, which I, just wrapped filming too. Yeah, I didn't even know they they were filming it. I mean, I, obviously they they've been filming, but I I didn't know they started this what last year. Yeah, um, mm. around yeah about 
fall of last year, I think, around October, I believe. Oh, okay. <sighs> well, I, I guess whenever that comes out, <laughs> I guess it's... Now, the big question I have, is it going to be like Netflix where they have all the episodes ready to stream on day one? Or is it going to be a weekly release like you know some of uh, the other streaming services are doing? I know the DC Universe app is like that where their original shows air once a week. So I don't know, part of me thinks that you know would be cool to have new Star Wars on a weekly basis. That just where you, After you see one episode, you can't wait to watch the next one and it builds anticipation. But at the same time, I've been getting so used to this binging <laughs> way of watching things where you can just watch everything in one sitting if you want. So, yeah, I don't, I'm kind of torn how I want it. But either way, I mean, I'm yeah. going to be watching it day one <laughs> and whatever. It's all there to see in one binge watching experience or watching it each episode every week as soon as it drops. And also I'm wondering if they're going to do it, do it like how Netflix or the, the DC app does it where it's like, okay, so we're opening the Disney vault, right? But, mm-hmm. um, Bambi is only going to be here for three months, mm. you know, and then we're going to, I don't know, release snow white or something, you know? Yeah. You know, a part of me because everyone's saying the entire Disney collection will be on Disney Plus. And part of me is thinking, well, that would be awesome. I don't think that's more than likely not going to be the case. That sounds too good to be true. I think it's more in line with what you're saying, Dane. It's going to be, you know, a, certain, a collection of movies there for another for a certain amount of time. And then yeah. some other ones will come in. There's going to be a lot of mixing and matching, which is what I think. Uh. I, I hope that's not the case because I think it would be awesome to have every single Disney animated movie finally there in one place. If you wanted to watch, because I've always wanted to do that, watch, you know, every Disney animated movie in a row from when they released, starting with Snow White up to the most current one. It'll take a while, but (laughs) just to see how Disney animation evolved, I think it'd be really cool. So if that's the case, that would be awesome. But I think it's too good to be true. I mean, just the fact that they're opening the vault to have them on there is such a big deal to go that extra level to have them all there at the same time. It'd be surprising, but yeah, I'm not holding my breath for that. <laughs> what about Pixar? Is Pixar going to be? Yeah, I, pretty much everything. I mean, yeah, every Disney. I, thing. Yeah, they, they're going to want to, I think, put all their resources into this thing. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to have to put all their big guns, and I imagine Pixar is part of that. Hmm. Well, whenever that comes out, I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you. it's time for my, you know, weekly or i should say every two week rant about the dc universe app not being on <laughs> a video game console yet i'm still waiting and i'm hearing amazing things about doom patrol i'm hearing that's you know such a refreshing Good. news superhero oh. tv show and far i want to check that out I, <laughs> I just know if i ever like if i go out and buy a roku or something where yeah. the amazon fire stick i get it the next day or next week, <laughs> the DC app is now available on Xbox One on PS4. <laughs> but well, they're if, cheap enough now too. They're, they're cheap. Like how enough much are like they the, for? Like their basic model, I think it's like seventy or eighty dollars. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I don't. Know, it's still not cheap enough for me. <laughs> as far as is it on uh, is, smart TVs? Or no? No, no, it's no, not. It's I do have a smart laptop. TV. Yeah. yeah. 
but I will not be waiting for the Disney Plus. <laughs> I mean, if they announced it's not going to be on Xbox One or PS4, I will be getting whatever it is available on because there is no way I am not watching The Mandalorian and Clone Wars. <laughs> when so those so what if out. it's only available on Android phones? <laughs> Would you go out and buy an Android phone? Uh, my it? brother has an Android phone, so I watch it on his. Wow. <laughs> But if I did it, yes, I would buy my own Android phone. <laughs> so, so if it was only on phones, would you not iPads then? Just just on the phones, <laughs> would you still? Yeah, uh, yes, I would. Of course. <laughs> well, same thing. E- even if the only way you can watch these new shows is buying the VHS to DVD converter program, <laughs> <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> Or what if, Tim, Disney all of a sudden had a partnership with Samsung, right? Okay. And you could only view it on their smartwatches. Would you still... Smartwatches? <laughs> would you still buy a smartwatch from Samsung? It does, yes. It doesn't matter <laughs> what the option is. If that's the only way, that's what I have to do. So Even though okay. you know my arm might get tired holding it up to my face <laughs> for several hours. <laughs> okay, my last one is okay. So Disney has the partnership with Samsung, right? Okay. So what if <laughs> it was only on brand new the, the 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 brand new top of the line Samsung television? That's like. Three four thousand dollars? Would you would you buy that TV? <laughs> Time to get a new TV, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's uh, that's commitment, Tim. There's nothing I won't do for Star Wars, Dan. You know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that that's all of our news topic and our Disney Plus. And would Tim? How far would Tim go to get yeah. Disney Plus? <laughs> Um, conversation so uh, now we can move on to our conversation with Alex and listener feedback but uh, Jordan uh, didn't send an email again this week so um, uh, we're just going to move straight into our comic book reviews Um, and for this episode we're going to be reviewing Batman number 66 and Detective Comics number 999 we're so close Tim I know we're almost there I can't wait um and as always, we're gonna we're gonna talk about spoilers here. So if you haven't read your books yet, we want to do that first, and then come back to this. So um, our rating scale is gonna be how far Tim would go, like on a scale of one to five. On a scale of one to five, how far Tim would go to get the Disney Plus app? Uh, as soon as we were talking about that, I knew that had to be the rating scale for this episode. <laughs> how could it not? <laughs> So, Tim, uh, why don't you take it away? All right. So, Batman number 66. I finally got caught up (laughs) with Tom King's Batman. We're still on the Nightmare arc. Um, I didn't read too much to get a crossover with The Flash that had to deal with um, the events going on in Heroes in Crisis, which I haven't – that's not a story I've been reading. I'm hearing mixed things on it, really, and the premise of it, while neat in concept, I've heard, you know, because they killed off a lot of characters, like, off off panel, I guess, with not showing it, which – to me felt a little odd but so i really wasn't 
into that story. So maybe I'll check it out eventually when it's all done and collected. But um, so, but we're back into Tom King's main Batman story, still in that nightmare arc. But it looks like it, things might be winding down pretty soon. So, but in this nightmare, Batman is having. Well, we actually don't see much of Batman or Bruce at all. It's the question uh, interrogating Selina Kyle and begins with you know him lighting her cigarette and then they begin. He begins asking her questions and they keep going back and forth. Basically, the question is trying to figure out, you know, why she did not meet Batman on the rooftop on their wedding day. Why did she leave? And Selina kept keeps telling him, you know, I read the note. Did you read the note? <laughs> the question's all, you know, I did read the note, but I don't believe you that <laughs> that was the reason. And in similar fashion to, to that we've seen in Tom King's story is that, you know, going back to different events of Batman and Catwoman and some of the encounters they've had, we get a flashback to year one again with their first encounter when Bruce met her as they were fighting on the streets of Gotham there before he was Batman, which is always a nice callback and good to see. Then we get another encounter where, you know, the first time they kind of work together and planning to take out Two-Face, uh, Batman goes to confront Catwoman as she's stealing a diamond in a museum. But it turns out it was a setup where Two-Face got to her to lure Batman. But in, in reality, though, Batman and Catwoman knew this was going to happen and they planned <laughs> to fool Two-Face uh, to stop him. So it was kind of a cool little sequence to see as the seeing them work together for the first time. So the question and Catwoman are kind of going back and forth. Uh, like I said, he's trying to get her to reveal why she did not – the true reason why she did not go to him and meet him on the rooftop on the wedding day. And, and throughout that, like I said, we get different flashbacks, these different encounters they've had and you know them describing who Batman is. And probably my favorite part of this issue is when Selina is describing Batman and just – for me, what makes Batman so great? We were talking about how he has no powers. He's not like Superman or Wonder Woman. And I just love the bit of dialogue of what she says here when she describes Superman and Wonder Woman as being gods. And she just asks, who is he? And he goes, all he is is a vow. And then she quotes his famous line of what he said on his parents' grave saying, I swear by the spirit of my parents to avenge their deaths by warring on all criminals. And she just goes, that's it. That's who Batman is. Then she even draws the parallel to these different all the different villains in Batman's Rose Gallery as far as, you know, they could beat him, they can knock him down, but he always gets back up and it's all, you know, it's all because of that vow he made. And it's, that's, that's the strength in his superpower, so to speak. And I just love how that she's really describing that that is what makes Batman Batman. And I always love hearing that. And so the question is kind of getting upset near the end of this nightmare that uh, Bruce is having. And he reveals that, you know, the reason he's here, the question is because he actually tells Selena, you know, Batman's trapped in a nightmare and, you know, trying to get out. And she's always, she's not worried about it. She goes, no big deal. He'll escape. And he's going, no, like, you don't understand. This situation, me and you right here, this is his escape. Me here finding the truth. This is what's going to set Batman free. And then he kind of calls her out and saying, you know, you, what you did to Bruce on your wedding day, the way because you didn't marry him, it's because you believe he couldn't be Batman and be happy with you. And the city needs Batman. And you know, it kind of calls her out saying, you know, you like to say, you know, Batman better than anyone. And you think for you reason for you leaving him, the reason is because it's going to make him stronger. But in fact, it made him so weak. And that's what kind of calls gets Selena's intention and makes her realize that that's probably the case. Then the last page is a few panels of just Selena and the question looking at each other, no dialogue until the last part at the end where she just says, okay, 
I lied. So <laughs> it turns out that reasoning and that letter she left Batman, you know, might not be all there is to it as far as the reason for not doing it, which again, I think goes into the larger story that Tom King is trying to tell here with Bane um, kind of being the mastermind behind all this. So um, a solid issue. This is a one of the better nightmare stories that we've gotten in this uh, part of Tom King's Batman saga. I do think, though, it is kind of time for it to wrap up and get back to where we left off with Batman being captured by Thomas Wayne. I can't wait to get back to that storyline with the Flashpoint Batman. We left on such a big cliffhanger, and now it's been several issues, too. Uh, we see the ramifications of that. So hopefully, um, like it does look like we're kind of moving away from the nightmare sequence, but um, it's turned a corner here in this issue. So really good. Some good callbacks to, you know, classic Batman moments. And I just love how Selim describes Batman as, you know, being as powerful he is is because of that vow he made. So I'm going to give this three out of five on on that scale of things i would do to get the disney plus app a lot of things (laughs) it might get higher (laughs) because now batman or i should say detective comics number 999 one away from issue 1000 and i gotta say both detective 999 and batman 66 they you know had a pretty similar qualities to them in the stories they were telling here and a lot to do in what makes Batman Batman and why I love the character so much. But they told it in different ways, which is kind of cool to see. So uh, this is wrapping up this big arc that uh, Peter Tomasi started with, um, you know, the mythology storyline where everyone in Batman's past that has trained him or had a significant role in making him Batman was being attacked and in some cases killed, as was the case with Leslie Tompkins. And the last issue, Batman... Uh, confronted the source of it which was a young kid in a batman costume which uh, which was the last page of batman or detective comics 998 and my assumption which i'm sure everyone else had reading it was correct that it was a younger bruce wayne but just who is this (laughs) young bruce wayne and um i guess to cut to the chase as far as um what's really going on is this is you know a computer program that Batman is in, but why he's in there, I'll get to that in a bit, but it is, you know, a simulated computer program that Batman is experiencing and why he's seeing his younger self. And, but there's a lot of great stuff in this confrontation Batman had with this young Bruce Wayne. And first the young Bruce Wayne just punched Batman's in the face and Batman saying he's not going to punch and hurt a little kid. And then, but as each punch, the small Bruce Wayne lands on Batman, he gets older and older until he reaches the same age that Bruce is here. And it's one of those scenarios where, you know, it's this Batman trying or this Bruce Wayne trying to show the real Batman, you know, what him being Batman has done to Bruce. And the thrust of the matter is, is that, you know, Batman has killed Bruce Wayne um, in a matter of speaking. So as they're having their fight in the Batcave, there's a great moment where um, the simulated Bruce Wayne goes you know, we like we harkens back to the time when when we were just beginning. It goes in hindsight, there is a purity to those old days where you didn't have all the theatrics, the costume. You know, um, before just before you were starting out as someone who was just someone who almost died in his first <laughs> battle. And I love how they crash through the Bat computer, and on the very next page, both the real Batman and the computer simulated Batman are in their year one outfits where it's not the Batman outfit. It's just his jacket, his beanie um, where he met Selena Kyle out on the alleyways of Gotham and they're fighting each other in that outfit. 
and just really great stuff visually. And then afterwards, they crash through the window, and they're fighting in Wayne Manor. They crash through the windows of Wayne Manor. They land outside in Bruce's parents' graves, and Batman returns to his Batman costume, but the computer simulation of Bruce Wayne returns to young Bruce Wayne. And this is where I really thought the issue shined, and Peter Tomasi just written some great dialogue here. You see Batman and little Bruce Wayne walk to his parents' grave, but there's a third tombstone and an open grave that's there for Bruce, and it says Bruce Wayne. And the young Bruce says, you know, three per, three people were murdered that night, but you know, one was reborn, baptized in his own blood. And this bit of dialogue here is really great. He goes, these graves there aren't here to feed revenge. These graves are here to feed justice. You know, they represent, you know, the living citizens that you prevent from going into the dark before their time. And, you know, Bruce's reaction to hearing little Bruce say that is just, you could tell it's really hitting him. Little Bruce tells him everything has a price. And then the adult Bruce Wayne says, and that price was used, was you, Bruce. And he just apologizes, saying, I wish I could have had a chance to be a kid just a little longer. But young Bruce Wayne kind of reassures him, it's okay. That price was worth it. And it continues to be. He says, as so many other children have gotten to live because we didn't. And he just tells the older Bruce, you know, take the shovel. It's time. And you see Bruce. The, the real Bruce starting to cry as he's burying the little Bruce in that grave, you know, in a sense, burying his childhood again. And the young Bruce, the last thing he says to him is never question your mission. So then it goes to black. And then we see um, Bruce in, in a really cool, you know, armored, you know, tech suit with a helmet on as he's in this tank, almost like a back to tank <laughs> from Star Wars, which is causing the soul simulation that he's going through. And we see Damien and we see Alfred trying to get him out. And Bruce is just yelling, Gotham needs me. Gotham needs me. So Bruce comes out and then it's revealed that this is something he does every year on his birthday. And Damien's asking, like, why do you do this to yourself? You know, like, what exactly is this program? And Bruce calls it the 2.1 landscape. And he says it worked perfectly. And said, Damien asks, why do you do this? And what's the purpose of it? And Bruce tells him, it's to kill me. And it's Bruce just says that this is to make me evolve as a better crime fighter. I mean, I got to be the best. Like, I, every, thinks of scenarios where there might be a reason why he's not good enough. He needs to be smarter. He needs to be stronger. And this program is to make sure he faces every obstacle. And in this case, this was the toughest one yet because, you know, it's himself trying to kill everything that made him Batman because, in a way, the the young Bruce never had a childhood. His childhood died as it told him. So it was kind of like his worst case scenario or his worst enemy that could really uh, make him think not to continue on with his mission is because of that. So just great stuff going back to why Bruce does what he does as Batman. And then it ends on a real positive note as far as, again, establishing and re- or I should say reaffirming why Bruce does what he does. He looks at this big computer monitor um, that says 182 Gotham citizens were murdered this year. And, you know, that's still too much for Bruce. He goes, 182 innocent people. And Damien Alfred tried to reassure him and say that's actually an improvement from the past two years when it was in the 200s. Uh, but then Bruce goes, one year soon, it will be zero absolute zero so again just reaffirming that determination that batman has to continue on with his mission and continue with that vow he made to his parents and then it ends on a real happy note where you know since it was all just a simulation leslie Tompkins wasn't killed alfred was never injured so bruce goes to see leslie Tompkins and pretty much to take her out to dinner just him her and alfred you know his two 
uh, surrogate parents who took him in and really were the ones who raised him after his parents died. And I just love that Peter Tomasi is, is recognizing that because I said it many times before on this podcast how I feel that Leslie Tompkins' role as Bruce's surrogate mother kind of gets underlooked for how important she is as far as making Bruce and Batman who he is. So the fact that it ended with the three of them kind of going out this, you know, as family in a way was nice to see. So I really enjoyed this issue and this whole arc as a whole. I was wondering where it was going to go. It did not go where I was expected, but it was, I'm glad that Peter Tomasi did what he did with it and making kind of this training simulation that Bruce had, what could be the worst possible scenario he can have as Batman. And I thought it worked really well instead of having it be, because uh, that was my biggest concern. What villain would make this attack on Bruce warranted? Like, what villain could I think be worthy enough in that story who knows Bruce's secrets? And the fact it wasn't any villain at all, it was pretty much Bruce <laughs> doing battle with himself. Little similarities to The Untold Legend of the Batman, one of my favorite stories you hear me talking about so many times on this podcast. It plays out differently, but it reminded me, in a sense, you know, it's Bruce kind of being that battle with himself and trying to get rid of Batman. So um, little similarities just from a narrative standpoint, but told in a completely different way, but one that was just as good in my opinion. So I'm going to give this one four and a half, four and a half out of fives on that scale of what Tim would do to see anything on Disney plus. So yeah, bring on issue 1000. I can't wait for it. So it's going to be an oversized issue with a lot of great writers involved and I think the hardest part is going to be what variant cover version of Detective Comic 1000 I'm going to get. But it's going to be so cool to have another comic reach that milestone. We've had it with Action Comics, which was a great issue. And now we're getting it with the greatest superhero ever. So I can't wait. All right. So I guess that's it, right, Tim? Yeah, it's going to be it for this one. Kind of a short episode, but yeah. <laughs> still fun discussions nonetheless. Uh, Captain Marvel. Disney, Disney Plus. <laughs> 311 Day. 311 Day. We got yeah. everything. Oh, spring yeah. training. Oh, yeah. We oh, didn't talk much baseball on this one. But yeah, spring your, training is underway. Your yearly reminder that Tim Tebow is still in the minor leagues. <laughs> <laughs> Every single year, they, they'd be like, oh, Tim Tebow got you know a call up to the big club you know, for spring training. And oh, man, yeah, I think that's as high as he's going to make it, really, yeah. with the actual Mets. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's it. Um, just go over to BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse, Tim's Twitter handles at TimG311. Happy 311 Day. Thank you, Dan. I can always count on you to say 311 when it is 311 Day. <laughs> and my Twitter handle is at Dan says Banana. Uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes. You can email the show at batfansofalpants at gmail.com. So, with that, if you say at the end of every single episode, we love each and every one of you with all of our. See, I was going to say one, but we talked about a lot of stuff with all of our Disney Plus Captain Marvel 311 Day Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time, everybody. See you next time, everyone.